and welcome to episode 9 of the Story Not Forgotten podcast, brought to you as always by Capturing Legacies. Because everyone has a story to tell, we want to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com for more information. My name is Liam Rathgaber, partner and anthologist with Capturing Legacies, as well as your host. And joining me today is a bookbinder, a print and audio publisher, a fellow podcaster, a true artist in the uh, in in the world of I'm, the written word. I'm really just a good tracer. <laughs> I can trace really well, and, and I can trace stories really well. You know, I can retell Faustus in a in a modern context. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's somebody that. At, at Capturing Legacies, we've partnered with for our uh, our life story projects. We we wanted to have the life story published in an heirloom quality book, and there was really there was no debate as to where we were going to be going. That if we want this to be the finest book in your home, you go see Robert. I can do that. <laughs> so, fancy, fancy leather books are what we're known for, and restoration jobs and things like that. So, Robert L. Angus. So, my story. Yes, tell us a story. I, you know, um, when you originally approached me with this idea, it was because I was telling you a story about how I got started <laughs> as a bookbinder. But not just as a bookbinder. Um, I'd already been bookbinding for a few years. But as a business it's, juggernaut. It's as a business person doing bookbinding, not just as a bookbinder doing business. And so my very first story in that case was, uh, was the very first thesis that came across the table. Um, I had positioned myself locally not to be doing thesis bindings or the same kind of jobs that every other bookbinder was doing because those bookbinders you know, didn't like competition and another bookbinder coming into the field was not going to ingratiate me to anybody. So instead what I did was I was doing um, like wedding guest books and uh, journals for retail shops and photo albums and things like that that nobody else was doing. Yeah, I have one of your photo albums. Do you? It's wonderful. Neat. <laughs> anyway, so I was I was doing retail stuff so that I wasn't stepping on anybody's toes and I wasn't going to get into any any sort of fights with any of the other bookbinders. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were more willing to open up their doors to me and teach me stuff if I wasn't actively working against them. Um, so during the summer of 2005, I get this lovely girl comes into the studio and at the time, the studio was in my basement of my house. Um, and there was three of us working down there, four, yeah, four of us. Um, so there was a designer and the two book binders and, uh, and my friend who was uh, there for the summer. And he's, you know, uh, anybody who sees me doesn't really think punk rocker off the top of their head. But back in the day, you know, it was kind of a punk rocker. And, uh, and this dude was really a punk rocker. I mean... You know, um, he was he was a buddy of mine from school. He had a mohawk. He was, you know, he fifty ear piercings. He was he was just, you know, this really kind of cool looking guy that you just knew you didn't want to get into a fight with. Proper punk. Proper punk. And uh, and so for the summer, he came on as our intern, helping do sales and helping to expand the business. And uh, and he was a very cool guy, but he cleaned up. You know, so he he put the mohawk down and he slicked it back a little bit and he looked almost pro. And took the earrings out and uh, and shaved, you know, which was kind of neat, and um, and put on a suit like a shirt and tie, and it was it, he just cleaned up really really well, um, and so we ended up, you know, he was going around to all the different print shops and doing these these things in a professional way, 
And this young lady comes into the studio and she's very pretty. She's, uh, you know, she's got a, a degree in dance mm -hmm. and uh, from an obscure university in Europe somewhere that nobody's ever heard of. And the reason why she came to us is because none of the other bookbinders in the city would touch her job, right? They, A, didn't do A4 size. In Canada and the States, it's like letter size, mm -hmm. right? So nobody wanted to do the printing. And then on top of that, um, you know, it was a, it was a, a thesis that required um, several different fonts on the front cover and 10 lines of type. And it was in a, a fancy sort of navy blue color that nobody carried because it was from a European university. Mm -hmm. And um, so nobody was willing to touch it. And I like a challenge. And since everybody else had turned it down, why not? I'm not really in direct competition with them. No, they've already given up yeah. that business. So I sourced the uh, the cloth. I found a, a company at Edmonton that had like a square piece of it <laughs> that I could use. Um, I sourced the foil stamping. They had the exact right sizes and it was a local uh, uh, local book bindery. Um, and so he's, I called him up and I said, you know, this is a, a really big favor. I'm sorry I'm asking, but could you do the stamping on the front cover? It's 10 lines per book. It's two books. <coughs> Would you please do this for us? And he was like, yeah, no problem, right? And I said, so how much? He says, oh, $45 each. Reasonable. Seems very reasonable. You know, I even offered to set the type for it. And, uh, and so I'm thinking $90. Um, we bind up the books, we get everything just raring to go, it's perfect, everything's on time, you know. Um, she's got to get it into the mails at a certain time because she's sending it to Europe mm -hmm. and it's got to be there by a certain day. Um, or she doesn't get her degree, right? So, there's a, so there is some importance to it. It's a big timeline for her. And um, anyways, and, and again, I mean, I'm a little stunned by pretty girl, right? Um, so she comes into the studio, everything's going brilliantly. Um, my friend Chris, who's the intern, <coughs> takes the books to the other, the other book bindery. And the guy behind the counter there gets this look on his face. Now he's a cauliflower-eared wrestler, like Olympic wrestler, mm -hmm. who came into book binding because he was interested in the, in the concept, but had no real desire to be a professional bookbinder. Until his mentor, who was also one of my mentors, I mean, there's connection here, right, um, went out of business. He, he retired. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so in his retirement, um, this other bookbinder got half of his equipment. I got the other half. I bought the other half, mm -hmm. I should say. Um, he got the equipment on, like there was some sort of deal that they made. It was a trade um, for $30,000 in... Um, some loan or something that he took, whereas I bought my pieces outright, mm -hmm. and uh, and so I didn't know anybody for anything. Um, Chris goes down there with the books, and the guy gives him this look, and kicks him out of his bindery. He gets in his face, and he's like, "How dare you, the competition, come into my book bindery and demand you know work of me?" And and Chris was like, "Well, we didn't demand anything. We asked." And when you <laughs> and, when you called to, <clears throat> and got the quote of. 45 per, did he know who he was talking to? Or did exactly, he, he did, did he? right? Okay. I, I sent him an email and everything. There was a, there's a paper trail, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least a digital trail. And, um, and he had agreed and it was no problem. It was $45 per. He yells at Chris and kicks him out and says, um, how dare you come here and, and do all of this? Um, you know, it's not $45 per book. It's $45 per line per book. 
So now there's 10 lines on so the front. So it's gone up to $900. It's gone up to $900. And I'm just like, um, that's not what you agreed to. It's right here in the email, <laughs> right? What are you doing? And, uh, and he, he sends me back this, this convoluted email about, uh, about how we're competition and, um, and he's never going to help the competition because it, it works against him and all this like foolishness. Oh, the I, business 101 BS. Well, sort of. I mean, I went to, I went to business school. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that I learned in, in business school was that competition is not a bad thing. Competition actually means that the industry in that area is healthy. Yeah. It's, it's good. There's, there's the ability to, uh, to you know, work with each other as well as against each other. But because of that, that sort of mentality of, um, of competition is bad and I will never help my competition... Um, well, unfortunately, what he did was he created his worst enemy. And, and it wasn't me. It was the client's father. So she comes into the studio. Uh, it, she was actually on the phone with Chris when he was at the other book bindery. And, uh, and again, remember, very pretty Turkish girl. Um, you know, she's a dancer. Mm-hmm. So she's got that look to her. And Chris is like, you know, a big, rough, punk rocker guy dressed up, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, he's got a he's got a nice heart, but he's got sort of that that look to him, and he's not going to put up with any bullshit. So, when she says uh, on speakerphone with this other bookbinder, um, "Will you please do my thesis?" and he says, "No, get out." And then Chris says, "My client is asking, pretty please." <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and just he, the words "pretty please" yeah. coming from a punk in a suit, right? <laughs> that's, that's a moment. Um, shortly after that, everybody show, reconvenes at my studio, and uh, and she's like, "Could I?" Like, she's in tears and and she's flustered, and she says, uh, "Could I please make a, a, a phone call?" And I said, "Sure." Well, her degree is on the line, right? And and she says, "Well, can I do a long distance?" And I'm like, "Anything you need." And she says, "Well, I'm going to make an international call," and I'm like, "No problem. You do whatever you have to do." So she gets on the phone and she's talking in this other language. I have no idea what she's saying. And, uh, and then she hands me the phone and says, my father would like to speak to you. Her demeanor changes from, you know, the sound of please, please, daddy, <laughs> to my father needs to speak with you. Which, those are, that's a, a specific sentence that can make any guy's heart drop. Right. Really. My father wants to speak with you. It turns out that her father is a very, very well-known businessman in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's uh, he's like in line sort of thing to be in the government kind of stuff. He's like very well-known, huge name. I'm not going to say what it is. But uh, anyways, he says, here is my credit card number. Use it as, you know, buy the equipment that you need to do this job. Anything you need, just buy it. There's only one condition. And I'm like, what's that? And I'm, I'm like shaking in my boots here because, you know, um, European and, uh, and Arabic businessmen scare me a little bit. Not, not for any racial reason, but because they're, they're quite powerful men. Like they speak with authority. Yeah, they're very much alphas. And, and, and I'm putting out quite an expenditure without asking about it. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm thinking, I, am, I, am I going to die because of this at some point? <laughs> Anyways, he says, use what you need um, with this one condition. Put him in the ground. <laughs> oh, 
put that son of a bitch out of business. And I'm like, yes, sir, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so we went out and we bought our first foil stamping machine, um, overnight delivery, mm -hmm. and uh, all of the appropriate pieces of gear to go with it, including the lead type, which we had to order from a separate company, and, um, and a bunch of other things that we needed for this job. But it all came out to about three, four grand, you know, um, and, uh, and I'm just like, I'm using some businessman's credit card, which just blows my mind uh, to place these orders. And um, <clears throat> two weeks later, the job is finished and shipped off. And it looks fantastic. About six months later, because we started announcing to the university, with Chris's help, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> he went to the university. He set up appointments with the graduate studies departments. He got our name on the list, right? And, and made it really official on the University of Calgary website that we are the people to go to. And, uh, and you know, my competition, quote unquote, went out of business <laughs> about six months later, which I would call a kind of a victory. I'd call that two victories. Now, flash forward, this is 12 years ago now. Um, I got a phone call just recently from an Edmonton bindery who, again, Exactly the same story has happened, with the exception that now I'm, you know, wealthy enough that I don't have to get a loan from a businessman in Turkey. <laughs> um, I can buy my own equipment, which I have. Which we're surrounded by. Which we're surrounded by. But the, uh, the book bindery in Edmonton um, apparently has been losing business like crazy and can't figure out why. And um, last year this time, I decided that I didn't want to do thesis binding for the university anymore. I was done. I'm getting out of the business. It's taking up too much of my time. I'm falling behind on jobs. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with work, which is fantastic. Yeah, you know? it's a good problem to have. So I can pick and choose which jobs I want to do. And I decided last summer that I didn't want to do thesis binding anymore. After 12 years on top of the game, it was time to quit. Um, so instead of just saying no... What I did instead was, uh, was a trick that I learned in business school, which was raise your price. Raise it higher than everybody else. I thought, yeah, that'll drive them off, those darn pesky students. <laughs> and, uh, and no, it didn't. Um, business hardly slowed at all. I raised my price to $65 per book from, from $35 per book. Okay. So almost double. And at the end of the summer, because it didn't slow down, I really had to hit the brakes, so I raised the price another $20 to $85 per book. And it slowed down a little bit, but not much. Come November, um, the University of Calgary's bindery went out of business. They were the only competition left. <laughs> and now they're out of business, and I'm being paid $85 per book. This is the new norm. I've set the new norm you know, of $85. <laughs> well, it turns out that the University of Calgary's print shop wasn't doing any thesis binding. They were sending it up to Edmonton. So half of the business that was going to him is no longer going to him. It's coming to me for $85 per book. Mm -hmm. He was willing to do them for $25 per book. <clears throat> so I get this but phone if call. You need the, if you need top quality and you see one at 25 and one at 85, right. you're probably not going to go to the 25. Well, and that was the other thing was because this uh, print shop went out of business, their name came off of the website, right? So I'm the only one on the website now. This guy's losing all of this business and I'm making hand over fist money. Mm -hmm. 
I've hired somebody to do all the thesis binding for me. I don't have to, you know, she's costing me $7.50 per book. So when this guy calls me up and offers to do all of our thesis binding for us for $25 per book, I can honestly giggle and say, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, the price is not good enough. I've got an apprentice here doing it for me for $7.50. Can you match that price? And of course he can't, no. right? So um, I get a, a, a testy email back, which sounds very much like the one I got 12 years ago. Um, and, uh, and this one basically said, uh, I am going to put you out of business. I'm taking as, uh, all of the thesis bindings from all of the universities. I'm going to win. Um, this after a very nice conversation um, where I was offering to help in whatever way I could. And, uh, and so the gauntlet's been thrown. I guess I have to become the only book bindery in Alberta <laughs> next. <laughs> well, that is a, it is a great story. And like you really can get away with charging whatever you want because the quality that you're putting out of here is phenomenal. Well, you know, I don't think it even comes down to quality anymore. Um, I, I hear lots of stories about people raising their prices accidentally and all of a sudden skyrocketing into business. Mm -hmm. And in my case, I raised my prices because I just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and then being the only one left, it's a monopoly, sort of. What am I going to do now? Yeah. I mean, I've hired somebody to do all the work, and she's doing phenomenally well. And I get to do what I wanted to do in the first place, which was the fancy art stuff. Yeah, the restoring ancient Bibles and what have you. Right. So... But yeah, so that's at uh, Octavia Bookbindery in Calgary, Alberta, octaviapress.ca. And, and you're not going to find any better. These books have found their way into the hands of celebrities, politicians, a certain current president of the United States. <laughs> Trump. <laughs> Trump. And you've got other projects on the go as well, in addition to the bindery. So let's uh, let's get some plugs in. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, we've got the, the book bindery here. So that's, uh, like I said, octaviapress.ca. And you've got to come down here and check it out. Even just the smell of old books is wonderful. Yeah, that's not old books. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bodies. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there's uh, Premium Independent, which is our, uh, uh, our publishing uh, audiobook company. And so we're doing audiobooks and music and podcasts and pretty much anything that can be recorded uh, will do. And then, of course, uh, the publishing house, which is uh, a very weird long name. It's Theophania, T-H-E-O-P-H-A-N-I-A. And that can be found at theophania.ca. Um, our publishing house, I've been running forever. And that's, uh, uh, we've got over 2,000 books in the catalog and we're constantly growing. And, uh, and then, you know, the next stage in all of that is, uh, is the bookstores. And at this exact moment, we just opened up another new bookstore called Oroboro. Um, and that's at O-R-O-B-O-R-O dot com. And the O's are zeros. So make sure to hit zero R zero B zero R zero dot com. <laughs> that's not confusing at all. It's not confusing at all. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but it's a, um, our, our big plan for the bookstores are to open up 200 micro bookstores across Canada. So it's the first, the kind of the flagship of our micro bookstores. Well, it's good that physical books are, are starting to make a comeback because they were wavering for a while there and some of the bookstores were starting to close and you'd have chapters Indigo and that was about it. Well, so my plan for that is that, um, you know, yes, in Canada, 
Chapters Indigo is the big name. They, they own Smiths, they own Coles, they own Indigo, they own uh, Chapters, and probably a bunch of other smaller ones that I've never heard of. Um, but the thing is, is that they, they have a business model that is defunct. Their business model is such that it's a gigantic big box store um, that has no draw. It used to be that their draw was uh, Starbucks, mm-hmm. but people are now going on to Amazon to buy their books. So Amazon has the convenience factor. And if you're looking for something specific, you'll go there. In our case, we're trying to create like these small independent bookstores, no bigger than 200 square, like 200 square feet, mm-hmm. um, small rooms, if at all. Um, this new store that we opened up has two large bookcases and that's it. Um, two large bookcases with like a coffee table and a sofa. And, um, and the gist of it is, is that we're having events. We're having, um, people come in and do music. We're having people come in and do readings. We're having, um, like small events Mm -hmm. and becoming a community hub. And that's where we are very different from the big guys. Um, but at the same time, interestingly enough, we're using one of the big guys' original business models from back in the 1950s. So it works. is new again. Yeah. It's kind of the theme of the place. Right? Uh, everything that's here gets done by hand. Even the bookstore was put together by hand. So, and the books are picked out by hand, <laughs> you know? Well, no, no computer algorithm. <laughs> well, and that's going to give it a much warmer, much more personal feel. Yeah. And it can be tailored more to the community that the, that the store is in because they'll, they'll know what's going on around them. And that's exactly it. I mean, it's a small bookstore. Um, the, the idea is, again, I want to open up bookstores in every small town. So if anybody's interested in a franchise, <laughs> you know where to go. <laughs> well, or if you've got your, your great-grandmother's old Bible and you, you need to get it feeling as good as new but still smelling as good as old, bring <laughs> yeah. it on down here. <laughs> bring grandma, too. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me and Love sharing it. that story. Thank you for, this, uh, for the opportunity to share the story. Everybody's got a story to tell. Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to find out more, and we'll see you next time.